everyone, and welcome to Minute 26 of Season 4 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we take a hilarious and poignant journey through the 1989 Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan rom-com, When Harry Met Sally, One Minute at a Time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is Alan Sanders of The Wilder Ride. Welcome back to the show this season, Alan. Hey, buddy. So uh, so happy to be back again with you, and uh, I, it's a brand new year, so I guess it's a brand new flick for you. Well, no, I, I I did three movies during 2022, so you know it doesn't. It's not a question of you're crazy. <laughs> you're I might a be. For punishment. I might be crazy, but you know I have fun doing this, and hopefully everyone who's listening enjoys it also. And I know my guests have a fun time too. So you know, well, there's no doubt about that. I have always enjoyed being on with you. So thank you for having there me. There you go. So I'm crazy, but you know, you it, it's I'm fun crazy. I guess you can say. Yeah. <laughs> Fun crazy. The fact that people are willing to come back and be on the show means that they enjoyed it the first time or the second time or the third time. You know, you know, this is this is your fourth season that you're on of this of, of my show. And what is this? Your your fifth time that we're you know recording together because you you stepped up last month, the last season also. So, mm-hmm. you know, I can't well, complain so about you- that. You mentioned hot crazy. Have you ever seen the guy that did the little uh, graph chart about women and you, 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 you put them on the scale of hotness and then craziness and the further across on the hotness and the craziness, you're trying to find the ultimate, like just hot enough okay. to still be marriable to be married <laughs> marriage material, but not too crazy. And he goes like, and if you find a perfect 10, who's not crazy, that's a dude. <laughs> <laughs> if you've not seen it, it's a guy that's dressed up like a sixties, almost college professor and it's the funniest little video on uh, how do you rank the hotness slash craziness of women. If you have not seen it, check it out. Okay, I I will try to find it and uh, post it, you know, in in uh, in the discussion group so people can actually see it. So we we shall check. We shall wait and see how that works. So minute twenty six begins with Sally responding to Marie's offer and ends with a wave beginning. <laughs> so. We ended things on, on Friday. Sally is sitting at in a outdoor cafe with her two friends, and they're talking about things. And you know, her friend Marie, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Carrie Fisher, a.k.a. Princess Leia, decides that this is the time for her to, you know, get back on the wagon and start dating again, even now that she's no longer with Joe. So the minute starts off with her saying, Ken Darman. You know, we, we heard a little bit of that on Friday, but. You know, we we didn't go into that that much. So, what what do you know about the name Ken? <laughs> well, I, I both good and bad. Uh, my father in law, who passed away about a year ago now, uh, here early January of last year, um, he was named Ken, and his firstborn was Ken, but not Junior. So, I always have in my phone not just Ken slat or in parentheses dad. But I've got my brother-in-law, Ken, which is uh, uh, a guy who we've done a lot of stuff with. But beyond that, um, it's just been a name. I never really thought a whole lot about Ken. Do, do you know the origin of the name Ken? Like from what uh, what what uh, background it comes from? Well, you know what? I don't know. So I'm going to take a guess, and I'm just going to go. It sounds maybe from uh, the UK. Okay. Uh, it's a little cheating, but okay. It's It's Scottish. <laughs> Okay. Well, there we go. I'm no, I know, right. but if you say the UK, I get four countries in one. Exactly. That's my point. You cheated a little bit, but that's fine. It's it's originally a Scottish name. Okay. Sometimes it is the the actual name, and sometimes it is a shortened version of another name. And there are a whole bunch of them. Could be Kenneth, Keenan, Kendrick, Kendall, Kennedy, Mackenzie, Kenson, or Kenelm. I've never even heard of that one. K e n e l m. Never heard, Never heard that either. Yeah, your your, your father in law and brother in law are are they Kenneths or are they just they were, Kenneth? Yeah, the the formal I believe their birth name would be Kenneth, but right. they all went okay. by Ken. Okay, no, they both went right. It's it's also a uh, a Japanese name that can have uh, many different types of meanings that it could be. So one of the most famous uh, named Kens is someone named Kenneth Sean Carson. Do you know who that is? Mm-mm. No, I do not. Okay, if I were to tell you who is the most famous Ken, what would you what would your response be? Uh, my first thought went to Kenneth Branagh. Okay, um, but 
No, no. So we're talking no, about see, no. we're talking about see, Barbie's. I, Ken. I know how you play these games. I know we're talking about <laughs> Barbie's Ken. Oh, that Ken? I never thought about that because I never had daughters. Well, I had daughters, but they didn't play with Barbies so much, so we never had the Ken dolls. Right. But okay. Now that you say it, I think about it. Right. So his official name is Kenneth Sean Carson. I okay. had no idea he had a middle or last name, by the way. That is correct. Neither did I until I did the research here. Okay. He <laughs> was uh, – he debuted in 1961 as the counterpart for Barbie. He was invented by a man named Ev- Elliot Handler. Okay. Barbie had been uh, introduced two years earlier, and they decided that they needed someone, uh, you know, to, to – to, for Barbie to be with, you know. So they uh, – the, the original inventor of – of uh, Barbie is a woman named Ruth Handler. So basically it was her son. It was hmm. named after her son, Kenneth Handler. The actual Ken Handler uh, passed away in 1994. Okay, but they decided to use the first name Kenneth based on that. Okay, just like uh, Barbie was was uh, was named after her daughter. You know, she had a daughter named, uh, I, I, I guess, Barbara that they... Uh, <laughs> call it so he's he's uh presumed presumed to be from a place called willows wisconsin which is also where barbie is from okay and um basically he has held over 40 different occupations over the you know 60 years that this doll has been around uh the most recent one being that he was a marine biologist (laughs) okay did you know that they even had Barbie and Ken break up at some point over the years? Once again, having had four daughters, you'd think I'd be up on the Barbie. I, I didn't, again, I don't know these never, things either. But. They never got into the, those dolls. They were into like Polly Pockets and some of the other things, but for whatever reason. So, yeah, I never I never knew anything about the backstory of Barbie. I didn't even know she had a backstory. I knew she had a house. I knew she had a Corvette. Right. But that's about it. Okay. All right. That's fair. So in 2004, they actually announced that that Barbie and Ken were splitting up. You know, they they basically had this whole campaign that their their Hollywood romance has come to an end, but that they would still remain friends and things like that. And they became platonic, you know, friends over over the next uh, five years, basically. Uh, and then they had a uh, they they launched a campaign in 2011 that uh, Ken was trying to win back Barbie's affections and they reunited in 2011. You know, it's, 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 it's completely nuts. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm just going to go through some of the various uh, uh, occupations that he's had. I mean, this is all in alphabetical order. So I, I can't say in chronological order, but it's at least in alphabetical. So he's been an astronaut, a banker, a barista, a baseball player, a basketball player, a boxer, businessman, cameraman, coach, uh, country western singer, cowboy, dancer, dentist, doctor, dog trainer, drum major. Should I keep going or is this enough for you? <laughs> now, did they – do you know from your research, did they have a version of the doll with like a costume or yes. they could buy those outfits? Yes, yes, yes. Every one of those could have been a, an outfit for your Ken doll. Yes. They had an Olympic swimmer uh, Ken. They had a pizza chef Wasn't that Ken. just taking all of his clothes off? I, maybe. <laughs> Olympic it didn't say porno pizza, pizza chef. It just said a pizza chef. Yeah. Oh. Or were you talking about the Olympic swimmer? I don't know. What I'm talking you... about the Olympic swimmer. Oh, okay. I thought... Sorry. I'm talking about the pizza guy. So you're talking about the pizza guy. You, know. you go to buy the bubble wrap and there's like nothing in there. It's like, here you go. Well, they, they actually do have one. They had a, a Ken that they debuted in 2009 called Sugar Daddy Ken. No. <laughs> yes. What it was he was he a little bit older had kind of a grayish beard but gold chains it was it was aimed for adult collectors okay the the, the working on his fourth wife the line actually uh, debuted in 2010 and it obviously for 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 obvious reasons it was very controversial because of the suggestive sounding name so Ken had a more mature appearance and uh, had his own little puppy that he came with it. And we got to attract the young ladies with something. Right. And Mattel actually defended and said that the name of the the puppy was, was sugar. And that's why he was known as a sugar daddy. But that is, (laughs) that is justifying it and trying to find a loophole. That is a, that is such a crock of shit. (laughs) Completely. (laughs) 
Who, There's absolutely no way you go calling a Ken doll sugar daddy without knowing exactly what yeah, you're who's, doing. Who's the idiot who thought of that idea? <laughs> hey, I've got a great idea. Let's let's make let's make pimp Ken <laughs> sugar daddy. <laughs> Well, you know that you heard about the because the, you know there are adult toy lines or for adult collectors. But did you hear? I think Toys R Us got in trouble because they were carrying the Breaking Bad collectors dolls, and the the main guy uh, comes with like the aqua blue colored methamphetamine <laughs> as the stuff that he was cooking, and they're like, "You've got a Breaking Bad doll on the store shelves of Toys R Us selling methamphetamine." Oh my god! Not exactly a good influence for kids. I uh, know. No, I don't think so. <laughs> so, so it, back back to when Harry met Sally. The the so the the name of the person is Ken Darman. Have you ever heard the last name Darman before? Darman. It doesn't sound unfamiliar, but I don't know anybody by that name. Right. Personally. So uh, it is most commonly uh, a name found in Indonesia. Okay, um, and basically, hmm. you it's one in. 746,828 people have the last name Darman. Okay, that that's one in three quarters of, of a million people. Okay, there are 52,434, uh, sorry, it is the 52,434th most common family name in, in, in the, uh, in the globe, around the globe. Okay. <laughs> um, it's also a a first name. There are tw- it's the twenty two thousandth one hundred eighty fifth uh, most popular name that people have. There are, there are over forty thousand people who have the first name Darman. I mean, this is just okay crazy. I, I've you know I, I I don't I can't say I know forty thousand people, but I've never heard the name Darman either as a first or last name. I'm trying to figure out what's crazier: the fact that somebody actually took the time to tabulate and collate these lists, or that you actually looked them up. Well, I'm I'm just you know I'm I'm here to give off information. That's what I'm here for <laughs> to teach you about things that you never would have thought of of, of doing before. You excel like nobody else I know in this area. Your field of expertise has become useless trivia. That's right. It's it's always been that way. You know. <laughs> so what what can you do? Some of us some of us have it and some of us don't. <laughs> I don't know where I fit into with that, but that that that's besides the point. <laughs> so so then the 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 response that 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 uh, Marie gets when she, after she says Ken Darman, Sally, Sally's shocked by this answer because she goes, he's been married for over a year. And then Marie goes, really? <laughs> married? <laughs> and then she, she, she takes the, the little index card, you know, the, what she took out of the Rolodex and like folds the corner over to make it dog-eared. You know, basically saying, oh, you know what? I'm going to save this one because maybe he won't be married at some point, but now he is. Or, and I got the sense that she's one of those people who's like, oh, well, married guys, they're fun to play with without having to worry about a commitment. Well, well, that's what we know about Marie. Marie is in a relationship with a married guy who just won't leave his, his, his wife. So, right. You know, that's what she's, by the way, I, I was going to my first note I actually started with with this scene, which I didn't know you were going to uh, bypass. And maybe you already talked about it, and that's why, because this scene already was playing out before I came on. Do you think the average millennial or Gen Z that listens to the show will even know what a Rolodex is, let alone know that that was a Rolodex card? Um, well, we did discuss Rolodexes on Friday, but we didn't go into that question. And I'm assuming the answer to that is no. They will not know. Because I'm wondering, them. what would somebody like if I showed even my daughters who are in the Gen uh, the Gen Z crowd, if I said, OK, pause, what kind of card is that? I don't think they would know. Right. I would, they would like, oh, I don't know why it's got holes in the bottom. Like they wouldn't I, like you called it an index card at first. And I thought, but that's not an index right. card. That's a Rolodex that's right. card. That's right. Right. I, I misspoke when I called it an index card. Index cards come it, up it, later it, in the movie. It, it, it made me wonder, you know, when movies age to a certain point, do certain like what ages out that where an audience that's younger would go back and watch it? They may like the movie. It's a really actually it's time. It's it's I would say timeless in terms of content. 
because let's face it, relationships are something we've all been battling our since humans decided to get together with more than one person in a cave. Sure. But I'm just curious when things start to fall off and they go, uh, I don't know what that means, or I don't know what that reference is, or wait a minute, you you couldn't take your phone off the wall? You know, right. <laughs> questions like that I think are funny. That's right. No, I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, the I think I mentioned this on Friday that on, on the commentary, there, there are two commentaries on, on the, the copy of, of the movie that I have, and one of them is just Rob Reiner, and the other one is Rob Reiner, Nora Ephron, and Billy Crystal, which is a really fun commentary to listen to, obviously. Um, but it's mentioned here that you know, nowadays, you know, you basically have everything on your cell phone. You know, you don't even need any of these things. <laughs> right. You know, so, but you're right. It's, it's the, the fact that she's using a Rolodex card, you know, is, is somewhat outdated. You know, when looking at it mm -hmm. from, from 2023, you know, going backwards and saying, oh, you know, this, this is the way things were 24, uh, 34 years ago. So. I do love the fact that I have to wonder, are these just all professional contacts or are these just all the men, period? I have a feeling that this is just her it, list of maybe she's like a matchmaker. Right. I, she's definitely trying to play that here. I mean, it's a stereotypical moment. You, we've seen this on sitcoms and other shows. Usually it's a motherly type sure. or a mom that's trying to hook you up. But it's so funny that like she's got her Rolodex of potential available guys. Right, but what's what's ironic about it is, is that you know she sees herself that that she's you know in a relationship, so she doesn't need it. You know, you said right. it's usually the motherly figure. So for her, it's like, all right, I already found someone because he's going to leave his wife any day, like he's been promising me for you know the last five years or whatever it is. But <laughs> you know, let's let's help someone else. You know that type of thing. I mean, I don't know if you caught mm -hmm. it last week when when. Uh, when Sally mentions that she and Joe broke up, so her friend Alice says, what? And then Marie goes, Joe's available? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, there are, there are the, the writing here. Uh, it's obviously you, you got to pay attention. It's pretty quick. There's a lot of, there's a lot of dialogue, yes. which is good for the kind of, this era of rom-com. This is my area. Like, this is my kind of rom-com formula. I kind of got ticked off in the 2000s when they started to try to change the formula. Right. And I actually – I've railed about this on the radio before where I'm like, the rom-com is a very basic formula. Don't mess it up. It's boy meets girl. Boy does something stupid. Boy loses girl. Boy has to get girl back. The end, boy gets right. girl back. You know, I mean, follow the formula. Right. Don't you, – you can throw in maybe an extra friend or maybe a little subplot. But don't mess up the formula. And then they tried doing that in the 2000s. Like, well, we always know that this happens, so we're going to try. No, there's a reason why rom-coms work. And you've got it's it's like a fairy tale. Fairy tales have to start off with once upon right. a time, right? You don't break that formula. Correct. No, I, I completely agree with you on that. So, so she she dog ears, you know, the the Rolodex card. So do do you? Where do you think the the term dog ear comes from? Uh, well, obviously from well, you have dogs. Dog I know, ear. I know. I have dogs, <laughs> right? So the there's certain ears, like you've got the pointy ears, but you've got some dogs that the ears will fold over, depending on whether they're excited or not. They'll fold over, and so they'll fold down like a dog. Right, right. but not when you're looking for Ken Dorman, you know that type of thing. But no. <laughs> <laughs> so the phrase actually dates back to at least the 17th century. I mean that that's just mind boggling that that's been you know over four hundred years four hundred four hundred fifty years that people have been using the the term i mean the it's basically a dog ear is a folded down corner of a book page, and the name refers to the mm -hmm. ears of many breeds of domestic dogs that flap over like you just mentioned, okay it can serve as a bookmark it is also commonly used to mark a section or phrase of a book that one finds to be important or of personal meaning. Other names for this practice includes page folding and corner turning. The practice is generally frowned upon by those who want to preserve books in their original condition. It is also sometimes used to keep sheets of paper together in the absence of a stapler or paper clip. Okay. So I, mm -hmm. do, you, do you dog your pages? No. In fact, even with my paperbacks, I so am so careful as a reader, I actually will just barely – pull it open enough to read so I don't even break the spine. I, I'm exactly like that too. I I hate reading a book where the pages are starting to fall out or that the pages or people have written in them or people have folded the, the corners of the pages. That's what a freaking bookmark is for. 
You have a bookmark, you put it in. Right. Now, <laughs> if it's a textbook, if it's something that I'm doing research on, then I may have things turned down to kind of go back to certain sections or uh, highlight it. I've, many of my textbooks that I saved from college, I highlighted to have passages that I wanted right. to study, but that's, right. that's different. No, and nowadays you also have the the adhesive you know, tabs that you can put, put in books and stuff like right. that. You know, if you want to save something to... <laughs> Sign here. Exactly. But, <laughs> but you know, you use that. I, I use that in books also. Sometimes I'll, I'll you know, want to save a certain place and, there's, you know, put the put the adhesive tab on there and there you go. Right? It's easier to find, mm. you know, that type of thing. So it's, uh, you know, sometimes people just use the tip of the page and sometimes use half of the page, which is even crazier that someone would freely ruin a book that way. <laughs> no, I, uh, my wife and I are the exact same way. The only thing that's... Ch- she used to do in – and depending whether we get into this when we get into any relationship talk, but uh, we're both products of previous marriages. One of the things they would do with their books, if, especially with their hardbacks, if they ever loaned one of their hardbacks to somebody, they had a rule because they wanted to know who's also read the book. So They would the write cover, all the names. Not on the – they would put. They would say, "Okay, you need to sign your name and date it when you finished reading it when you return it." So that way they could go back and go, "Oh yeah, we loaned it to so and so. They read it and this." So they, it was like their little tradition. But right. we don't. My my, my mother anymore. does that actually with her book. She like lends out books to friends and they they always write their name in it. So this way, you know, uh, my mother, you know, is 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 in her her early eighties. So for her, you know, this way she can actually remember who she's given the book to. Yeah. It's. <laughs> hmm. I mean, it's, I, even though, I see, even though it's kind of cool, even though, even respect. though my mother a lot of times will read a book and she'll say, I've read this before. <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> she should have put there her name go. in it. <laughs> she does it with movies, too. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. Well, I don't mind watching the same movie twice. I don't like it. No, no. But I usually know that I've seen it before. That's the difference. <laughs> right. I don't think I've ever done that before. I don't think I've ever started watching a movie going. This is somewhat familiar, and they get something like, "Oh yeah, I've seen this before." I usually can remember the yeah, movies. Yeah, me, me too. Me pretty too. much instantly. Um, it's it's rare that I can't even that I won't even uh, notice a topic. You know, the, the title. Someone could say, "Oh, have you seen this movie?" And I'll be mm-hmm. like, "Okay, I'll know yes or no right away." And sometimes I need to right. go into IMDb just to double check because it's usually a bad movie that that then I have to try and remember the name of it. You know, but I, I usually have a general idea. Yeah, the only other time that I have to run into like that is sometimes movies have multiple titles depending where in the world. And so if I'm talking to somebody in the UK or somewhere uh, in a different part of the of, of around the globe, they may have had a hit movie that was named two different things right. or three different things That's depending true. on where That's it's true. released. That's fair. So the conversation continues. You know, she says married and and folds over the corner, and she goes, "Oh wait, wait, wait!" And she pulls out another uh, another card from the Rolodex, and Sally just looks at her and goes, "Look." And then Mary goes, I got one. Sally goes, there's no point in my going out with somebody that I might really like if I met him at the right time, but who right now has no chance of being anything to me but a transitional man. Okay, but don't wait too long. Remember what happened to David Warsaw? His wife left him, and everyone said, give him some time. Don't move in too fast. Six months later, he was dead. What are you saying? <laughs> I should get married to someone right away in case he's about to die. At least you can say you were married. That was Alice's, you know, uh, <laughs> she she wanted to add to the conversation. And then Marie goes, I'm saying that the right man for you might be out there right now. And if you don't grab him, somebody else will. And you'll have to spend the rest of your life knowing that someone else is married to your husband. <laughs> I mean, it's. I love I love that last line. I love the idea of planning in your head because you waited too long to get the guy that should be yours. Now he's with someone else. So your husband's over yeah. there like as if it was yeah, hers exactly. to begin with. But I think that tells a lot about the writing of the character that Carrie Fisher plays. I mean, yes. it, it, it's it's most normal people don't describe relationships the way she does. So it makes it very kind of telling of her kind of like how she views relationships ironically being in one herself where she's the mistress yes to somebody else who she wants that husband but he's already married to someone else. correct yeah and it's just great the way that she does it that way because uh, it's from her perspective you know she's you know latching on to him so she doesn't lose him even though he's someone else's mm-hmm. husband right now you know that type of thing now i find it funny that she said you know, give him some time. Don't move in too fast. Is that what people were telling her that she shouldn't move in too fast? 
you know, so she was basically running after. She was interested in David Warsaw. You know, so and everyone mm-hmm. said, give him some time. Don't move in too fast. And apparently, you know, that that's what Marie does. She, you know, like what she was talking about last week, where she said, "Oh, Joe's available." You know, it's like <laughs> she she wants to, to to you know to pounce as soon as she can before someone else mm-hmm. before someone else can get it. I mean, the whole thing is is pretty convoluted. The the type of logic that 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 she's trying to 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 give off here, you know, about that it that you know you're going to find out that someone else is married to your husband. You you wouldn't really know. <laughs> Unless you live in an alternative universe, and then you can see the various possibilities. By the way, this must be a very, very long conversation, but it just seems summed up in less than a minute because – and I I do this all the time, which probably drives you nuts. But if you look at three seconds into this minute, Mm -hmm. Carrie Fisher's watch, an analog watch, looks like it's 11.15. That is great. It's great that you pointed out because later on it's 12.35. And yes, within the space of when she mm-hmm. goes back to look at her watch, it's definitely about a 35 or 40 minutes later. It, it's even more. <laughs> if it's 11.15, then it jumps to 12.35. That means it's an hour and 20 minutes later. Well, at, at 40 seconds, it looks like it's at 11.40. So it's not yet hit 12, at least in, at about the 40-second mark. No, at the 30-second so it... mark, mark, you can see it. It's, it says 12.30 already. Or is that eleven thirty? Ah, that's eleven thirty. No, it's 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 eleven. It's just before twelve. So, but if you look at the right, what less than fifty or less than twenty seconds earlier, yes. it was. Uh, it's it's been about twenty minutes for them to have this conversation. Yeah, apparently someone someone wasn't doing their work here. Why why would it? <laughs> that's the problem. Why would I care Dude, that you brought I've that up? I've done this before, where I've been on on sets where we're filming something for either a commercial or maybe it's something creative. And for whatever reason, the person wanted a clock in the scene. I'm like, why do you want a clock in the scene? Well, I just want to make sure we show the passage of time. I'm like, you you don't know that that, that, that that's not going to work that way. You either take the batteries out so it's always the same time, right. or if it's supposed to be a certain time later, let's frame the clock at that moment. But you don't know what shot we're going to make. What if we come do a pickup shot a day later or even after a lunch break? Do we remember what time it's supposed to be from the last time we shot it? And is that the angle we – it's, I think, it's such a pain to have a clock in a I seat. think they needed you when they were filming when Harry and Sally and when they edited it because – No, nobody in the world is paying attention. That's not true. <laughs> to the watch. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> there are there are crazy people like like you and I that are, you know. My wife, I think I told you this the last time we do this, she hates when I point out either continuity errors or things like that because she's like, I can never now unsee yes. that. The scene where, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where, you know, we think Marion's dead. It's one of the most famous ones where the camera pushes in. He's got the monkey. He's, he's you know, falling himself into a bottle of whiskey. He's super drunk. You see like an outline behind him of the bizarre outside. And then here comes a tech crew guy wearing jeans and a t-shirt on the left side of the frame walking. Didn't even know they're filming. My <laughs> wife said, I've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark maybe a hundred times. Now I can never not see that well, dude. I never once saw it's, it's like, it's like the stormtrooper hitting his head, you know? On, yes. You know, before I saw that, you don't notice it because he's this in the second row. But once you see it, you can't unsee it. You cannot unsee it. Uh, and I love finding little mistakes like that. But I also think it's kind of funny how you just oh, you just won't look at things like that. You're so focused on like the main character of the scene who might be in the center of the screen, or you're so focused on the story you don't pay attention to the surroundings. But that's what they and, think. Uh, but they never, never, you know, when they made these movies thirty, forty, fifty years ago, they didn't know that there would be crazy people like us who would be, uh, you know describing a movie in depth one minute at a time where, mm-hmm. where we actually have the time to look at these things. What's well, crazy about the time we live in now. And I don't know if you remember this, like the final season of game of Thrones, mm-hmm. uh, one of, of the scenes they've had like Starbucks cups yes. uh, left because they had just left them on the scene. So they went back and digitally erased them. So now you, when you go to watch that, that episode, they're no longer there. You would have only seen it the first time, and then when it went over social media, and everyone goes, "Did you see the Starbucks cups?" And then they go and digitally erase right. it. Right, that's true. But uh, yeah, I mean that that's one of the problems of being able to digitally erase things. What can I tell you? Yeah, <laughs> we. I kind of love having those little mistakes. I, I I would hate if everybody goes back and always wants to clean up those little errors because 
most people don't see it, and, right. and it doesn't ruin the movie. I think You'll go, I oh, well, I'm totally out of Game of Thrones now. They got a Starbucks. That's right. I, I don't remember if it was Ben Hur or the Ten Commandments. It was it was one of those uh, you know Bible movies from the fifties where like, or oh, maybe it was Spartacus. I, I don't even remember where someone has with, like a modern plane one. going. You know. Oh, a modern one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's stuff like that. There was a scene. I don't know. Maybe it's actually Gladiator where you see a plane going by in the distance. Yeah. Like a jet. Right. So there are all kinds of things. Like I think that. that was I think that was Titanic that you saw like uh, a plane going by in the background or something like that, which also shouldn't have happened. It may be in more <laughs> than one movie. <laughs> you think? <laughs> you think they have problems like that? I don't know. I know for a fact. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. <laughs> so then the, the the scene changes, and we we can actually see a football game happening. Mm-hmm. Okay, and. Do you know who is playing in this uh, game? Oh, yeah. I recognize from the color of just the sock right. when they're getting ready to hike the ball that it was the Detroit Lions because yeah. I grew up in So Detroit. did I. And so, yep, I knew that was the, 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 the classic colors of the Detroit Lions. Yes. Now, June, because we can see this, the Lions versus the Giants, okay, so, mm-hmm. so we're able to actually find out uh, when they actually filmed this. You know, what, when was the real game? So the, the real game between the Giants and the Lions uh, occurred on October 16th, 1988. Okay, which was a Sunday. Mm-hmm. The, the game started at 1 p.m. Who do you, who do you think won? Oh, I'm going to go with That's the right. <laughs> I know that, my, I know my I know, Lions. I know. Don't bet on the Lions. No, no especially not in 1988. <laughs> no. The Lions, the Lions were 1-6 in six after that game. And the Giants were four and three. You know, so mm-hmm. you know the the Giants got better, I guess, over the years. But but they're you know nobody was in the cellar like the Lions. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, and this was week seven of of the NFL uh, season of 1988. You know, I I could even you know tell you who got all the touchdowns and stuff like that, but it doesn't really matter. You know, but it, it's just it was fun to be able to see this and say, wow. I know when they filmed this, this scene and it, it's just great watching it. So we, we get a little, a few shots of the, of the, the game. It, it's actually pretty funny that, you know, they, they actually spent the time for these five seconds of the shots of the, the, you know, the players in the game just to establish where, uh, where, where the scene is taking place. You know, what's interesting though. And I don't know if it's just my audio it didn't sound like we were live. It sounded like we were watching a TV screen. So it actually was jarring for a second. I thought it was going to pull back and they were sitting there watching like on a television uh-huh. the first time okay. I see this. I'm thinking, oh, it sounds like TV. But then all of a sudden I realized, oh, no, 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 we're yeah. in the stadium. It's just that's the TV audio because uh, they didn't obviously have Hollywood microphones. It didn't, doesn't sound like it right. on the field. Okay, that's fair. But again, for five seconds of footage, <laughs> they didn't need to put go to, you know, they didn't need to spend that much money getting all the the you know, the sound on the field, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, do, do you know? Now, I did think it interesting. I didn't know how long the wave had been going on, but it was interesting to have, as the scene starts to end, watching all everybody in the crowd start doing yeah. the wave. Yeah, that's very true. Now, do you know where the Giants play play their games? Is it the Meadowlands? Yes, which is also known as the Swamp. Okay. Mm. Um, it was uh, open from 1976 to 2010. Okay, now one of the biggest issues that they had was is both the New York Giants and the New York Jets played their games there. Um, so it, it caused a lot of problems because in the early 70s, the Giants used to play in Yankee Stadium, which I didn't know that. That was that was really surprising to me. And then, uh, you know, in 1971, the Giants uh, had made a deal with the New Jersey Sports and Exposition Authority in order to build them a, a stadium. So in they they left Yankee Stadium in '72, um, mm-hmm. and they actually played for one year because of construction in New Haven, Connecticut, at the Yale Bowl. Um, and they they actually only won one game of their twelve games that they played there. <laughs> then in 1975, they moved them to Shea Stadium, to you know where the Yankees, Mets, and Jets. We're all playing. Think about that. They had four teams that were playing there in 
you know, September, October. You know, that that just, that just boggles the mind that they would do something like that. You know, that. Well, I think obviously sports have grown as a money making proposition over the years, but you didn't used to see communities that wanted a separate baseball stadium, a separate football stadium. And so because the sports only had a little overlap, they would actually share. And I would always think as a kid, why do I see a baseball diamond where they're playing football? And that's because they were playing on a ball field. Right. That's right. Now, so we talked about the fact that the, the Giants and Jets shared the stadium and they actually broke a record that was held by in Wrigley Field that uh, that as of in the, the beginning of the 2003 season, which was the 20th season that uh, that they had the, the Giants stadium, they had hosted 364 NFL games because because of the fact that they had two different teams playing there. So basically every week they were having a, a game and Wrigley, the record was 365. So they, 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 uh, and they were there for 50 seasons. So think about that because the Bears played there for 50 seasons. So then they, they, uh, in the beginning of the 2003 season, they tied, tied the records, uh, the, the Giants tied the record. And then the following week, the Jets actually uh, broke the record. So that's also a cool idea that you have two different teams that are the ones that are you know, tying and breaking the same record over the course of the time. In they they then built a new stadium called the MetLife Stadium, and they they moved there uh, in 2010. So they've been there uh, since then. There's there's no longer uh, you know football games to play, or at least the Giants aren't playing anymore in the Meadowlands. I'm not sure if the Jets also moved. That you know, I I didn't check that. Oh, sorry. The Jets did move. They both moved. Uh, so they're still both playing in the same place. So what do they do with the home field advantage if they ever play each other? I'm not I'm not enough of a football fan to know if that's even possible. Um, no, one is uh, in the uh, AFC, which is the Atlantic Football Conte- Conf- Conference. And then you've got the National Football Conference, which is the NFC. So they never play each other. So those are the two. Right. So not unless right. unless they were both in the Super right. Bowl. Right, exactly. Because it's the winner of the AFC takes on the winner the of NFC, the NFC right. in the Super Bowl. Okay, I, I, I figured that. Um, we we also get to see a sign for a radio station, WNEW, which was a radio station in New York that started in 1934, and it was uh, the call sign represented from Newark. Hmm. Okay. Yes, it was basically that is the the radio station that that's the the voice of New York sports because it covers the Giants football games, the Rangers hockey games, and the Knicks basketball games. So, you know, I, I like the fact that they just have, they, they, I mean, it's, it's real, obviously. So they have the real, you know, we, we can see the, the whole thing with WNEW on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty much all I have to say about this minute. Did you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we get into the script and a few other things? Um, well, one of the things since my first chance talking about just in general, the main characters and we get to meet for me, Meg Ryan, for my first time, she has never looked better than in this scene to me with uh, with with uh, Carrie talking about trying to get back on the dating wagon. I don't know what it is. I just it's the kind of the tussled hair. It's that late 80s, not quite as poofy. You were starting to move into the 90s look. But her eyes, her makeup, everything, I mean, this is what made Meg Ryan like the girl next door, but just cute as a button, and it just looks amazing. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. She's This is the movie that put her on the map. You know, she was in other movies beforehand, um, but this is the one that, I mean, this is, this is her first lead role. I will tell you this, too, and I know we're going to get to it at the end, but... A lot of people consider this one of her best overall films. Now, I don't know if it's the best performance, but when you rank all of the movies she's in, she's us- this one's usually at the top. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll get there later today. <laughs> you're, you're jumping the gun there a little bit well, for, for your well, – No, I just five. meant not, not me personally. I'm talking about like when you look at the IMDb ratings or the um, Rotten Tomatoes ratings m- – so many people consider this one of the best movies that Meg Ryan happens to be. Right. Okay. Like just as a movie. Right. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So the, the, the script, um, again, this is a, a version of the script from, uh, from August 23rd, 1988, which I guess is, uh, uh, was it a month and a half or almost two months 
before the football game that, that we just uh, talked about. <laughs> so <laughs> the, there aren't that many changes in this particular minute, but one of the things I like is the descriptive nature of the, the script itself. So it says, you know, when she goes, really, married, and it says, Marie takes Ken Darman's Rolodex card and dog ears a corner of it and places it in the section at the back of the box. Then she pulls out another card. So, I mean, this is even in the script. This isn't something that, that, that Carrie Fisher decided to ad lib the way that she's doing it. She's doing it exactly as uh, Nora Ephron uh, directed her to do so based on, you know, what was written in the script. So I just find that amazing mm. how it, it translates so well, you know, that, that you can have a you know, a three sentence line in, in a script and then have the actor who's being directed by the director and following the script and do it in such a way that, that, you know, reading it off the paper and seeing it on the screen is exactly the same. You know, that's something interesting. I always, cause I've taken some script writing classes and then you hear other people talk about writing scripts and generally speaking, they say young fledgling writers, they make the mistake of putting too much description let the director decide. Let the actor decide. But then you do stuff like you you look at older scripts like this movie or one that I did uh, with our, our collective movies by minutes group, Silverado, where it's written almost like the shot list. Yes. Like this is exactly how the writer saw every single moment, including what was in the background. What kind of field was it? What kind of what kind of time of day was it? I mean, just so much detail. Yep. And and it works because of that and the only other difference is, is that in the script they are in shea stadium so you know maybe i i mean i doubt it it's since it's not taking place in 75 so they're not at a football game <laughs> i guess they're supposed right. to be at a baseball game but you know I, I liked the fact after doing the research that i saw you know that that the giants used to, there was a time there was this one season where they played in shea stadium and the script says okay they're at a baseball game I mean, it doesn't make a difference if they're a baseball or a football game or whatever it is. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that tomorrow, that, you know, it, it doesn't matter what type of sporting event they're at. You know, that that's not the issue. I will tell you, had they chosen to do a baseball game, which we'll, we can talk more tomorrow, but had they chosen a baseball game versus football, I don't know that it would have been as funny because of all of the movement. Correct. Football games tend to be much more kinetic. There's a lot more action. It's not in stop where baseball there's a lot of slowdowns. There's time between pitches. If there's a pitching duel going on, not a lot happening in the um, crowd. I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, football games also have a lot of dead time. You know, eh, not as much as baseball. Mm, I don't know when every time. Not from when every I, time, every time you're switching well, between the offense and the defense and stuff like that. Oh well, like when you take a commercial timeout and things like that, yeah. But I'm talking about in general. It feels like there's much more kinetic energy in the in the stands. For football versus right. baseball. Okay. Baseball tends to be more relaxed. You kind of can chill. You grab a beer. You're having a conversation. Football, you got to like pay attention and focus and yell and cheer. Right. Okay. That's fair. Well, I, I'll give you that one. At least I'll my experience. That that's, that's when I go. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I rarely go to sporting events because I find them just really boring. You know, just sitting I sitting <laughs> there watching them. <laughs> you know, I like, I like watching the highlights because then you, as you said, it, things are fl flowing much more. You know, you can see exactly what's going on. But to each his own, you know. Right. <laughs> All right. So every Monday we have a segment called Meg Ryan Monday, where my guests will give their top five Meg Ryan performances. So, uh, Alan, what have you got for us? Start with number five and work your way up. All right. Number five, working backwards to number one, Joe versus the Volcano. Loved that movie when I first saw it. Didn't really quite understand what I was watching the first time. And then the second time I was like, okay. This is a this is a great allegory of life. I thought it was just really really cool. And then the 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 reuse of the zigzag of the volcano, the the lava and the the symbols. Uh, thought that was a really cool flick. Number four, Inner Space, with with uh, Dennis Quaid, who would be hooked up with her for several several flicks, yeah. but uh, you know is what it is. Um, for me, too bad, too bad. Number Dennis three, Quaid wasn't wasn't supposed to be in Proof of Life. Things wouldn't have changed. Things might have stayed different. <laughs> uh, for me, number three was The Doors. But I also have a thing for Val Kilmer in that role, and I, I was a big Doors fan when it came out, so I, I watched that movie over and over and over and over again. So I uh, thought that was cool. Um, You've Got Mail, number two. And then my number one, 
Uh, I'm assuming we can't use when Harry. Of met course without. you can. My number one, one second, in terms of, course of performance. What, 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 just just like well, with, with Alan Rickman when we did last season and before, you know. But for me, performance wise, uh, it's a split, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve the right to split between when a man loves a woman and Courage Under Fire. Because those were very different kind of Meg Ryan yes. roles. They were she was trying to break out of the typical cutesy girl next door rom com, much more serious and, and much heavier. Okay, well you and can't so I thought split. those were nice pick. stretches. You gotta so you can you can bump things down now if you want. You know, because I'm oh, gonna tally it up later. I can't, I can't give five points to each of them. I gotta give you know one of them five points. All right, I'm gonna say that in terms of Academy Award level performance, I'm gonna go with when a man loves a woman. And so let's bump Joe versus the volcano to honorable mention, and we'll put Courage Under Fire as number two. So they would all bump down. Right. Okay. That's fair. I love Courage Under Fire. I think it's an amazing. I think I think it is just such a, an amazing story. The way that they tell it, also. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Oh, it's very good. And I I remember when it came out, the big controversy, obviously, with uh, women in combat. Yes. And the, the discussion always about, well, where do you draw the line? Where where should women – should they be on the front line? Should they be you know in the foxholes? And it's an interesting concept because I remember being in the military right, right around that time. Uh, I was in the Navy in the early 90s and uh, during Gulf War One, and women t- tended to be more in logistics and support roles. They were close to the front line, but there was the discussion, how how close to the line do you put it? And then here comes this movie, Courage Under Fire, and you know it makes a pretty compelling argument that if you're capable of doing the job, what does it matter if you're a man or that's a woman? That's correct. I, I agree with you on that one. But that's one of the things that the movie discusses, whether whether her character was capable of her job or not. You know, and it, it depends on right. who you ask. You know, which is which is one of the greatest things about that movie, the way that it gives us so many different perspectives on the same exact event. You know, and trying to figure that out. And there's nothing wrong with having Denzel Washington as the lead male. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. I think he's an an astonishing actor. There's the, I don't know that there's been a single movie where I haven't watched Denzel and said, well, even if the movie's not holding together, he's doing an amazing job. I've never seen Denzel Washington phone it in. Okay. That is definitely uh, very fair. <laughs> All right, so Alan, you want to tell people how they can touch with uh, Alan Sanders? Okay, so uh, we've done a couple of movies by minutes with a sh- uh, my buddy Walt Murray called The Wilder Ride, where we broke down movies by Gene Wilder. We did Young Frankenstein season one. We did Blazing Saddle season two. Then uh, we changed the format to be more talk show oriented for seasons three and four. Then my co-host not only went through a divorce, but then decided he found love again. And so he's been on the last year honeymoon. So we've been on a very long and I don't know how much longer hiatus, but that's where that show is. Um, I also do another show with my wife, which is, I think, more uh, more in tune with maybe the audience of this possibly, crowd. Possibly. Called the Marriage Fit Podcast, where it's two uh, to uh, a wife and a husband from previous marriages working on a blended family. So it's uh, we call it the marriage fit because it's about trying to figure out how to make things fit, how to stay fit, and not throw a fit. All right, great. And while you're doing that, you can go re- re- review and subscribe on any podcast you might be using on to listen to the show. Finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, and you can find me on my website, MovieRobMinute.com. Alan, you feel like coming back again tomorrow? Absolutely. Got to continue. I got to find out what's going to go on at the football game. All right. Or baseball game, depending on uh, if you're going to the script. Depending on whether it's the script of the movie, I'll, I'll stick with the movie. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. The visual works works much better than, mm-hmm. than on the paper, for sure. Hey, everyone. This is Rob. I, I just wanted to add an addendum to this, this episode. A fan of the show, Blake Riley, who is a, a huge Giants and Jets fan and is also uh, another MX Emmer, like the like us. I mean, he's done Clerks Minute, he's done the Mighty Ducks Minute, he's done a, f- a bunch of others. So he he happened to point out to me that apparently my research on this episode wasn't as concise as I had hoped it was because I'm not a football fan, but apparently he is a massive football fan, and he decided to bring up certain points that I got wrong on today's episode. So I just wanted to just quickly point out 
the correct information. So first of all, thank you very much, Blake, for getting in touch with me, for letting me know that I did make some mistakes. It happens. We're all human. We all make mistakes, especially in fields which we are less experts in and stuff like that. So his, his first comment is that the Giants and the Jets both play at MetLife Field, and it's still located in the Meadowlands, and it's actually right across the street from Giants Stadium where they used to play. The stadium was actually torn down, and it is now a huge mall, which is called the American Dream Mall. I was actually there this past summer, and as someone who's not a fan of football, didn't really make a difference to me. But Thank you for pointing that out. The Giants and Jets actually play each other every preseason, and they have a game that's known as the Snoopy Bowl because, you know, the, the connection of the, the peanuts to MetLife. They also, every three years or so, they have a regular season game between the two of them because they do have games between the NFC East and the AFC East. And they rotate you know, through each time as to who is considered the home team. WNEW. In the 80s, it, it wasn't a sports station. It was actually just a rock station that ended up turning into a classic rock station, which in the late 90s, early 2000s, it actually became a talk radio station. Again, thank you for that, uh, Blake. Another thing is that WFAN is the major sports station in New York City, and it was the first 24-7 sports station in the U.S., and it currently has the number one talk show in New York City, Carton and Roberts. So once again, thank you very much, Blake, for pointing these things out. I have no problem being corrected on things. And as you could all see from everyone who's listening here, I also don't have a problem adding an addendum to the episode explaining things. So I thank Blake for reaching out. And anyone else out there, if you have comments or things that think I got wrong, got right, feel free to you know send me a message either by Facebook by Twitter or via my website itself. All right, so until tomorrow, I'll have what she's having. I'll have what she's having. Gave me a thrill with all your faults. I love you still. It had to be you. Wonderful you. Had to be you.